hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at, I know I'm in an alleyway, I know, I know how I look, but I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers, that's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. You know, tuned into the fashion world, Will. We're tuning in. It's fashion hour here on Segment City. Open it right up. Uh, have you <laughs> designers, heard... Designers? Designers. Designers. We are starting out strong this so season. So there, there's a new kid on the block, a new designer. Have you heard of the brand Kith? And I'm not mispronouncing Kith? that. Kith. <laughs> K-I-T-H. Kith. That does sound like a Mortal Kombat character or like some kind of uh, very complex sci-fi story that is a race or is mike tyson telling you to kiss <laughs> now <kid. laughs> or that no. now, kid. now kid so i've been seeing this brand like in boston here and there and then i was in brooklyn this yeah. weekend and it was in brooklyn there's a storefront there and i went there brooklyn. and i learned that they have the most amazing <laughs> it's a streetwear company but they have the okay. most incredible celebrity endorsement in one What's the deal with Jerry Seinfeld and Dorian <laughs> Kidd? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so... In a premium example of old man clinging on to youth, he was posing with streetwear, and I just... I can't... Oh I can't... I can't get over it. God, can, okay, I'm going to have to Google that, but I was going to ask sarcastically, is it just like the stuff he wore from Seinfeld? So just mom jeans that he's tucked in like a weird striped shirt? Into? No, it's like, it's it's like just... streetwear. It's it's like modern clothing that I would want to buy and wear, but it's very expensive. It's very rare that a spokesperson has the opposite effect of what you would want. It's really you weird. Are there, you're like, I want to buy your product so bad, but... Yeah, if you Google you Jerry Seinfeld Jerry Kith, it'll Seinfeld. come right up. I I guarantee. Oh I guarantee. God. And tell oh. me this isn't old man clinging to youth. This is old man clinging to youth. This when you said streetwear, I did imagine something. <laughs> okay, never mind. I got to the part where he wears a coat that is made of his mother's drapes, and it is it's a lot. It is literally, it is a, a floral pattern that is in that specific like knit. Like, you know, they, they stitch every single flower. Like, it's yeah. that material, which is not a comfy material. In so a, a I, I would say there are several outs, outfits in this photo shoot that I would happily wear. This is nice clothes. The, my main problem is, why? Why is it on Jerry? Why is Jerry the <laughs> one who's doing this? I mean, that's, that's a very uh, good question. And you know what? I think Twitter is going to asked that question with you because i googled this one of the f- top results is <laughs> tweets that are roasting <laughs> jerry seinfeld's kith campaign so we'll just very have a good. little dalliance into this segment very good um, we, before we even introduce the show we're just yes already, i see this on newyorkpost.com uh jerry seinfeld's kith campaign sparks memes and jokes <laughs> very good what's what's the deal with his outfit <laughs> uh, so let me just do a few <laughs> 
Somebody wrote, when do you want to date 17 year olds again? Oof, that's exactly, that's a worse version of your I heard from, I heard from my sister's boyfriend that apparently a new meme about Jerry Seinfeld is, what's the deal with girlfriends always having to take their driving tests? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a better version of the joke it's very good but that's the joke that, that's, that's the joke that is like the pr- premier joke about him wearing the uh, it was supposed to be the summer of george <laughs> but we got the summer of Ke- seinfeld for kith instead that's from J- i'm jason diamond <laughs> okay, this, there's so many good I'm, ones there's so there's many, so good many ones. please look it up please look we're not this even up. it's it. really good there's one that's uh George in the show Seinfeld and he's wearing a big uh, puffy coat. He's wearing a giant puffy coat and it just says Kit. It just says Kit. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Wonderful. So my Uh, my, just to bring bring us back to a discussion point. Why is why is Jerry Seinfeld doing this? He could buy. He has infinite money. He doesn't need this. He has infinite cars. That which is he used his infinite money to buy infinite random cars. Are you saying are you saying that he's run out of money because he spent it all on cars and now he has to go and do this photo shoot? Why why is Uh, he doing this? More perplexingly, he's run out of cars. I think I think he's right. <laughs> he doesn't have cars that he because I saw of uh, it was him and he was in like a two seater that he's like so this is a, like a a test vehicle or something like it was an absurd vehicle and the other comedians like getting jostled getting around jostled. Like, so anyway I was going on stage like, uh-huh. so I think he's because he it's like imagine seeing Jerry Seinfeld just driving around in a random car with like Chris Rock and you're like you'd freak Holy out shit you'd freak he's out he's living the best life he's living the best life. Gonna, I'm going to be honest. Jerry Seinfeld, he, is he still funny? I don't know. I don't think, I I don't think think, he's funny anymore. I think rewatching Seinfeld is funny. I think his new stuff is Old Man Yells at Cloud. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I actually saw him live. Like, uh, probably like 10 years back. It was a while back. But even then, his opener, amazing. I think it was, uh, Tom Papa or something like he was a pretty okay. well known. If you're opening for Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, better no, you're be doing well. Known. Yeah, um, he was. We were dying laughing. Opener did his job perfectly. Silence for most of Jerry Seinfeld. Like, and you'll, I'll do the like snort at my nose every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Was not funny. That is the oh, peak man. of it. <laughs> so oh, it's no. like, sorry, Jerry Seinfeld. If you're trying to reclaim some kind of uh, zeitgeist. With this, I mean, you already have a Netflix show where you just drive. Around. You're living the premiere life. You're living the premiere like life the where he gets thing. to just like bullshit with his friends on Netflix and drive around. That's that's the life. When you did say streetwear, I did imagine him in his version of like what he would think hood streetwear, like cool modern streetwear oh, no. would be goofy. <laughs> no, like, he's not a designer. He's not. <laughs> no, he's like, thank God right, that, that we got to get Jerry in here to design some of our clothes. A guest designer. He would have no idea he, what he's doing. <laughs> oh my god, he's wearing a full suit that is like the worst material. Anyway, we're, <laughs> anyway we haven't Google, even introduced the show. Up, please. But anyway, this is segment city, everybody, and you know what, Jerry Seinfeld's Abby. If he makes any commentary in my town, I swear to God, I don't care how on point in in perceptive you yeah, are. I don't, Mr. I don't Seinfeld. care how on point his observations are. Get him out of What's, here. What's the deal with segments? Yeah, is that it? Is that your whole bit, Jerry? I'm Will Kane, Verbal the Kramer t- of this <laughs> of this show, and I'm Theosabakos. And um, yeah, I'd be I'd happily model for any clothing company, bar none. Just putting that I, out there. Okay, any, <laughs> any that's that's a bullet. Any any. 
but you're not forever 21. I'm not. You're past that age. You're, I think you have aged out of quite in. a few. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this is a podcast in which Theo and I, you already listened to a single segment. That's how the show goes. We break it up into segments. We dumpster dive our way through the internet. We get those good morsels of comedy for you. And you know what? We're going to start with Will's stupid thought. This is actually going to be a Will Ask. Because, Theo, I don't think we mentioned it already, but we're in October. We it's just been now, October. As of recording. Yeah. Yep. And as of listening, maybe if you're listening when we release it. Yeah. I mean, as, hopefully, as, while you're listening, I hate when you get things that you're like, it's out of season. It's, it's I don't want to hear like, Christmas like, content. Well, Halloween sure is coming up. And you it's check and you're great. like, it's the new year. I it's can't relate to this. If you're listening to listen order, <laughs> it should make sense. Anyway, um, so this is Will asks, what famous movie monster would you most want to be? What famous movie monster? I'm going to even include oh. uh, any, I'm going to say any monster as long as it's in the the cultural zeitgeist. But I'm going, like, <laughs> there will be, because you could do cryptids, for example. If you wanted yeah. to be like, I'm the Loch Ness Monster, I'd be like, I accept that. That would be kind of fun. I'm trying to balance. That'd be fun. I'm really trying to debate my mind, like, you- find a cryptid or a movie monster that <laughs> that isn't being actively hunted and trying to be turned extinct Constant, by mankind. What, being what, Bigfoot would rule big, other than Bigfoot hunters. Big, being Bigfoot, I assume, comes with some power set where you can just dip out <laughs> from any situation because you're like, I'm out of here. They Can't apparently find are me. very wise. Man yeah. on the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. No, gotta... Bigfoot was what I was gravitating towards. I don't really want to be some vampire. I don't want to be a Dracula. That sucks. I'm... Dracula I does. I think that's it being is a mummy. Mummy, you just have to be like in this tomb for all time. <laughs> you're in, a, you're in a tomb, and then you suck out the the guts of people, and then you yeah, go, oh, that's not this good. Is, people don't like that. I think I'm going to be honest. I think werewolves not that terrible. It's not that bad because it's a sort around. of a it's a once every four weeks commitment. You can plan. Yeah, you can plan around <laughs> it. It's one night, and it's, it's one night. as long as it's not. But the I think the cat the if you are if you slip. Then it Dire, is catastrophic. It's, it's truth or consequences. Yeah. <laughs> really. And truth so thing. it's. D- did you prep? Did you find yourself prepped for this? Yeah. And also, but there's no, I think you would have to construct your own panic room to put yourself in. Cause I did think of you'd like, have to well, have like a you go to a. Yeah. You'd yeah, have you have the bunker you, that locks from the outside and you'd have to have someone that you can trust to open the bunker when, when you're all done. But the thing is, it's other than that. Other than that, you're sort of normal. Other than that, basically, we're, what we're establishing is that you're trying to get as close to normal humanity as you can. Yeah, I think that is a downside. I think I think Bigfoot is pretty good because I could just camp. Like I, I don't think I'm a good go nature guy, but I yeah. think there is some maybe Bigfoot magic that I could go to my Bigfoot community. Maybe get some like another Bigfoot. He's not gonna maybe he speaks Bigfoot language at me, which apparently, according to Bigfoot hunters, sounds like. Like a whooping. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Whoop. I, I love that because D- Discord decided that 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 audio needed to be filtered out. <laughs> so didn't get it's anything. It's <laughs> so I just saw you making some funny facial expressions. Oh, I, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Discord did okay, not a like that. Little comedy in terms of the, the nature of the podcast of how we're recording. <laughs> Wonderful. I think yeah, I think Mummy's bad. I I thought of Creature of the Black Lagoon. You're just kind of hanging out. You're in sort of water, fish man. You're, nice. hang, yeah, you're, you're hanging out. It's, you can grab some ladies. Sounds, all of know. these sound like pretty solitary lifestyles. Is my problem? Yeah, yeah. It, oh, that's a good question. Is there any that kind of work in a pack? I guess vampires they kind of create their own. But yeah. I've seen an interview with the vampire. It gets lonely. Yeah. 
And you get even you get sick of Tom Cruise. He's trying to sell you on Scientology all that time, and you're like, uh, you "Get into the ball. Get yeah. get into an alligator's mouth. I don't yeah. want this." So that's that's with Tom not Cruise, good. Tom Brady. You're just like, "Oh, geez, there's a lot of Toms around here. What are we doing?" Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Dracula is sexy though. What about just being is a ghost? Sexiness an aspect? What about just being a ghost? A ghost, I think, is almost the worst. Why is you that? Being, you, you you're can, being normal, but you can't interact with other people, and you're just kind of... Isn't but, that just but, like purgatory? It's just bad. But can't you interact with other ghosts? Maybe you're not the only ghost. You haven't seen the hit British comedy show, Ghosts. That is... A, <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> that's actually... That is a kind of recommendation. It's a show that I watched the first two ep- first episode or two of, and I liked, but it's, I need I have to like make room for because <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. But it's basically the concept is... Uh, uh, old house that th- this young couple inherits um, that's like all dilapidated that's full of ghosts that had died there and they're all from different ages so there's like a caveman ghost who's been there for oh, <laughs> thousands of it's years. It's like what we do in the and, shadows. Yeah, it, exactly. It's like that and has that kind of like dry uh, or like very British sensibilities. Like there's a businessman who died while he, I think on the toilet because his pants is constantly down. I think he was like he overdosed or something because oh, he has no. white stuff. Like <laughs> it's just every character is completely different. Um but they are not happy about it until like main character gets bonked on the head and she almost dies and then can see them. That's the concept of the show. And they don't seem to like it that they they do enjoy each other's <laughs> company, seem, but they wait, but you're arbitrarily choosing that I have to be a ghost in that sense of being a ghost. No, I, get, I don't get to even, choose my own. That's rules. the nicest. That's the nice. You can't choose the rules. <laughs> so that's if why I say ghost, you. I could be Harry Potter ghost. That seems like a pretty good I'm lifestyle. Sorry. Could I be Patrick Swayze ghost? Can I move some things? Can no, I have some sexy? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. Will don't twist my don't don't straw man my, my 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 decision. But even even in ghosts, they're they're like where they're with other ghosts. They there's one scene where one of them is like anyway. She's like from the Irish potato family. She's like so we would make potatoes, but you gotta really stick your hand in the dirt, make sure it's nice and moist. And they're like okay, anyway for our next like they tried to like segment it is like. Anyway, next week, this person's going to do a talk about this. Like, they try to make it fun. And even then, they're like, I cannot. If she does another potato talk, <laughs> I think I'm going to die again. Listen, they need some character development, character growth in there. People need to, to get branch pot- out, find new interests. We get it. You died. You were part of the potato famine. We get it. Why don't you try playing a new instrument? <laughs> you could play the violin mm. as a ghost. Easy. You could. You could, <laughs> you, could probably, you could play the violin as a ghost, I suppose. And that would actually be extra spooky because I don't think you would play it well. You would just go, <laughs> like you would do horror music all the time. So like, oh my God. Oh my God. I could you be know, a witch. I think I'd do a good. A witch would be fun. Oh, might people, get burned at the stake though. Might, but I feel like we're out of that time period. Where people would, <laughs> Modern, there are TikTok modern, witches now. Where one person would be like, I think they're a witch. And they would be like, how fucking dare you? You cannot that, be that. You cannot just have said that. You can't call me a witch. You That's actually me. you could actually get on your high horse and Listen, totally try to be like, how could you say that about me? With the release of Hocus Pocus two, oh my god, butchers are that. back, baby. No, <laughs> with the with the release of Hocus Pocus two, they've really proved that nothing is safe, nothing is no. sacred. I I will just as a a quick uh, last thing of this monster thing because Annie and I did it is spooky season. I like watching horror movies. Annie was like. I was like, let's watch a horror movie, but I'll let you pick. And so she picked Cat People from 1940 something. Why? And it's an all it's awful. It was so Why? Bad, but, it, <laughs> but they remade it. I want to say those people are more wild. 
that because I'm going to oh say the plot. Of, I'm not going to. This is not a will reviews because I fell asleep. I literally fell asleep in the middle of it. Um, but it's <laughs> it's a nothing movie that somebody remade. But they didn't know how to make horror back in the day unless it was Dracula or Frankenstein. Uh, Cat people didn't stick around, but those dudes <laughs> did. I'm going to say just, I'm going to be a witch from Cat People. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to choose your monster and your franchise. Yeah, it's you get to bad, choose your rules. It starts with a, a, a meet cute where a woman is sketching, uh, I think, chimpanzees or lions or something. And then a man, she like litters and the man who becomes a love interest yells at her for littering. That's how their <laughs> romance starts. It's yelling at her nice. for about littering. And then she says, why don't you come back to my house? <laughs> like, And then that's the, how the romance oh begins. So God. I have no care for this movie. If I anyway. could choose, vamp- I'll choose Vampire and Blade Universe. I just get to rave in a 90s club forever. <laughs> easy, easy. But there's literally a guy, Blade, who, the titular character who's going to blow you up. Okay, but I just have to avoid one man? That seems pretty doable. Oh, that's true. They actually do have a lot of like, uh, but then you also have to deal with conniving, the the plot of Blade of young up-and-comers <laughs> killing you and you turning you into vulture skeletons. I'm not going to go into Blade. That's a, it's a weird movie. <laughs> So last week, we st- we ended on a cliffhanger note for the because I did my review of the show Hellier, which I'm going to give. I'm not going to necessarily make you go back <laughs> and re-listen to that. Although, please do re-listen to that. No, go Lovely back and episode. listen. Will's oh, okay. not going to make you. I'm going I'm I'm to make you. Yeah, I will give you a TLDR. We're going to juice my those numbers. All right. It's it's a a documentary that I think is is very uh like the people are being honest or as far as you can go as a paranormal investigator trying to find kentucky goblins uh in mines <laughs> in kentucky that's the creature and i, I want to li- be a kentucky goblin and i and i wanted to just uh kind of get back in because uh, we we kind of cut we cut it off at a cliffhanger so i wanted to read some reviews from imdb yes i want that, to so <laughs> I want not to hear just my opinion <laughs> so <laughs> so and once just a TLDR of my opinion, I I view Hellier from a very like meta perspective of the fact that they made an entire documentary series of them doing nothing but standing in mines, like just doing <laughs> like it's a great view into the conspiratorial mindset for me. But as I said in my review last episode, nothing happens. Yeah, and so this creates a big uh, disparity in the yeah. reviews. A lot of reviews will either be like, oh, this is a pretty good movie, or they'll be five, 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 one star, one star, one. like <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. people had totally opposite reactions. I think you're you're more of a conspiracy theorist uh, enthusiast. Like you're oh, an enthusiast yeah. in conspiracy theorists. I don't believe in goblins. <laughs> no. <I'm> not, <laughs> can we put out that I don't believe in goblins? Um, but, but but more but more even than that, you are like fascinated with people that actually believe the things, even in addition to the theories themselves. Yeah, I think that's all because fa- because it's just a it, watch the show. It, people just will view a thing logic like they'll say something logical and then they'll come go a completely different direction than anybody reasonable. Would yeah, do. it's a very like that they just go left when everybody else goes right. It's so fascinating. But anyway, here's a one star review full of itself. Wow, long, <laughs> slow, painfully droll and drawn out, way over explained. You sit there and listen to this guy explain every small detail of what you may or may not see. This is one of those most boring views on today. <laughs> In fact, if I'm drowsy and want to fish myself off, <laughs> yes, yes. I play an episode. Amazing. Better than NyQuil. 
I spent this entire review explaining how dull this is. And that's fitting, because you will be waiting for something, anything to happen, and it just isn't there. How do you stay awake in edit, in production, I can't tell you. A complete waste of time. I love that. The editor, like, falling asleep, like, oh, God, I just got to get this scene done, please. Oh, come on. Come, come on, on, man. This is another uh, one-star review. Uh, come on, guys. This is really bad. <laughs> By IMDb user, a horror's home. Uh, where are all these glowing reviews coming from? I can only assume they're friends of the filmmakers because there is obviously nothing compelling about this quote-unquote documentary. It doesn't matter if it's real or if it's fake. It has zero entertainment value. Fake reviews are the worst. It's no way to promote a film, and it's seriously <laughs> cheating the viewers. So this person is like, you, this is person you is, rated this high, you're a moron this, or you're a bot. This like, person is reviewing the reviewers. <laughs> absolutely that, which is also i love that one there it's like somebody going why are people reviewing this what well? are people doing <laughs> In the review, they're like what are you doing you morons i was interesting at the beginning interested at the beginning but the filmmakers spend way too much time early on talking about themselves and their backgrounds i will agree with that that, that these people are full of themselves absolutely that was part of my review that they these are people have their head up their asses but it's entertaining for me to watch yeah um and they're also obnoxious <laughs> which is less entertaining um, that could have been five minutes, but it just went on and on in each episode. When we finally got to some quote unquote action, it immediately stops and picks up again years later. Goblins, Bigfoots, aliens, Mothman. They throw all these together, but still have no idea what their focus really is. Native American legends? Those are all over the US. One in Kentucky doesn't automatically correlate to one in Point Pleasant. Come on! I love when a review goes, come on! Come on! Come on, man! The spirit box episode, spirit box episode was embarrassing. They mm. all acted just blown away by the accuracy of the answers, but their entire conversation was based on the answers they were given. So bad. I'm super into the subject matter, and I'll give anything shot, but I'm bunged. I've spent so much time waiting for something to happen, and I'm mad at myself for purposely wasting my own time. <laughs> Don't waste your time. The, it's really bad. The guy's into the subject matter, hoping that something. But that's the truth of it. The truth of it is that there's nothing there, isn't it? Isn't that the truth? Yeah, like this, but there's a dichotomy because there's this is a review that I also love the title of. Whole lot of nothing going on, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Which <laughs> That's is you. how I feel. That's where like, you felt. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to actual like five star. Let's let's see what people actually All right, see what like. People that were loving it. Um, cinematic, intelligent, paranormal document documentary. Caught the trailer on YouTube. Decided to give it five minutes. There is so much drivel in the paranormal paranormal world these days. Mostly driven by the endless disciples of Zach Baggins and his awful melodramatic twaddle. This was smart, beautifully filmed, no drone footage of pretty cheese which pretty trees, which seems to be the flavor right now. The people involved had backstories and flaws. There was general camaraderie between them and an obvious desire for exploring more fringe ideas. I watched all five episodes in a row. It wasn't perfect, but it was damned close. Carl Pfeiffer Pfeiffer Probably just Pfeiffer, has yeah. Yeah, has amazing future as director ahead of him. His obvious love of what he does shines through in his work. Some people might not might, might get lost as it moves away from what you thought it was going to be into an investigation in con- into consciousness itself. Whoa. They oh wait okay. Uh, in the end, though, a satisfying modern tale of the darkness and the necessity of opening your mind to see the connections we all miss. Now I will. Uh, that's throwing. Th- it feels like they're throwing the creators of the show every bone possible. Absolutely. There, yeah. I think. 
I think the paranormal world is very small. So I think there are people who are willing to give this a more of a shot. He's <laughs> saying I, that I, Book, Bigfoot, when he collects his mails, he like he, he, he runs into Nessie. He's like, oh, it's small world. Like, good <laughs> oh, to see wow. you here. Whoa, oh, geez. crazy. Oh, man. Uh, oh, sorry I didn't show up to your potluck the other week. <laughs> like, I got oh. lost along the, the way. Ah, you didn't want to come up to Scotland, eh? Oh, it's man, me, my, the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> I had to go see the Yeti. Uh, I was over in uh, Asia. Is it the Yeti? Yeti, another version of Bigfoot. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) But but is, so I think, yeah, I think people, I think there's an element that people like about genuine things because there are a lot of fraudsters who will do, I think there were, I even saw a clip of somebody who was like an amateur paranormal person that accidentally left in a take where they're like, no, 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 you gotta do, do the spooky sound like a little bit later like once i'm at the like they say it like the they <laughs> left it in they didn't edit out the part where they're so it's like it is, there's a lot of pictures uh energy right there so there is like i can almost see it as an element of you could tell it's true because it, nothing happens like that from the paranormal like if you consume a lot of these and see one where people are like doing this but without doing the ridiculous stuff i could see that being refreshing for somebody yeah. of like nothing happened because they actually did an investigation that's something, but it's also like the other person said, boring. <laughs> like it's boring yeah. for people. Not so, not that I. I think people wanted a goblin to run out of a cave, which is never going to happen. <laughs> but they it's wanted still, to get attacked like, by an orc. Like, they did. Oh, they, the fuck, dude. <laughs> but it's it 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 is a a fascinating look into to Hellier and in also goblin. <laughs> the, the goblins are so ridiculous that it's it's funny. So I decided to do extra goblin looking in, into goblin lore to see if there's anything for like a conspiracy query. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not find enough to fill out a conspiracy query. Cause I only found one book that had the name goblin in it. That was about mm-hmm. conspiracies. And let's talk about that real brief. Okay. Um, so there's a, a, a thing called the goblin universe. The goblin. Is it, is it like the, the hollow? Universe. Is it like the hollow earth theory at all? Kind of actually, that's a, that's probably, uh, it, I don't know if it actually wraps in, the concept of hollow earth. So I'm going to read the Goodreads, <laughs> a few Goodreads reviews, because this is also fucking funny. I'm just so, imagining the go- King Kong arriving in the in this hollow earth, and there's just a fucking hey, oh, hey, oh, what's this? Oh, oh. The, the fucking cover of this book is amazing. By the way, I'm going to send you a picture because I can't not. All right, I just sent you the. Please describe. Oh the, my. <laughs> This looks like a really bad choose your own adventure where Nessie is sticking his his head through a matrix like (laughs) great. It's it's terrible. In space, and there's Nessie's head coming, like his body's under, and then his head's coming out and he's going, and this is my Ted Holiday. This is very Uh, low effort. Yeah. So the Goblin Universe is perhaps a place of the mind. It's the world of psychic <laughs> phenomena of prophecy and reincarnation. Above I think you need all, to read realm- that slower and annotate more and then just say, you've entered. <laughs> what you've entered. The goblin universe. You may have entered, you may have entered the twilight a place soon. of the mind. Yes, there it's you the go. world of psychic phenomena of prophecy <laughs> and reincarnation. Above all, it's the realm inhabited by ghosts and poltergeists. <laughs> inhabited. <laughs> Rudy. It's inhabited by a ghost, you see, Rudy. It's it's inhabited by ghosts, poltergeists, <laughs> UFOs, the Yeti, and the Loch Ness Monster. That's it? That's all? In what sense is this a real world? 
Ted Holliday spent the greater part of his life investigating such things and gained valuable first-hand experience of natural phenomena, which enabled him to develop startling new ideas of what, what they really are. Startlingly new. Oh my god, I can't believe this is so new. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> the Goblin Universe is his final testament, developed in collaboration with his friends and associate Colin Wilson. Now, it's I actually have some background. Testament and that's your cover art? Here's the thing. I will oh, no. I will actually give you, you a detail of why they specifically say that this is his final testament. Because he died? Ted Holliday did not want this release because it is oh, like no half way. finished. Oh, my <laughs> so he, God. So he was like, hey, gang, this is nothing. This, this is, is absolutely nothing. I did, nothing. I, you know how I, I said I did, I did all that research? Well, I did it, and I came I up blank. Is This is nothing. Um, just as a – that was a lot of, of conspiracy gobbledygook. It's basically the, the thought that – combining UFO people think that UFOs cryptids all this stuff is ghosts are all separate where he's positing that it's all one phenomena which is yeah. an interesting idea but the problem is at one point apparently in this book he goes on an entire chapter uh tirade against evolution which is a bad look I'm oh gonna God. say that's, that's, <laughs> that's not a good look um but also he does another chapter which is the best thing I've ever heard in my life but let's read a few Goodread uh, reviews to kind of uh, show this. Three stars. The author's a lunatic with poor understanding of science. <laughs> but this is an entertaining read anyhow. A book written by an eccentric Englishman who was obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster and who went to great pains to uncover its mystery. He developed his own theory, which was less material based on what more less material based on uh, and more spiritual based positing that the monster was actually a manifestation of evil or the dark psychic impulses of the earth and even went as far as to enlist a priest to exercise oh, the good. lock that's that all, that's, <laughs> that's all you know that's, that's how you know it's peak science when the priest has to exercise that's when that's when it's really scientific it's uh, there is literally a chapter where it is called like exercising the lock in this monster <laughs> fantastic absolute this lunacy is, this is this Love is a peak will this is <laughs> got a <he> exercise <laughs> imagine being that fucking priest and he's like all right here's the lake you I know what to do you know what to do <laughs> let me add him uh, oh this is my third or fourth time doing this oh uh, and even when so far to his enlisted priest to exercise luck the book's written in a genial style and has a sense of adventurousness about it. You get the sense that the author, while fairly practical and down the earth, I don't know about that, uh, was also intent on maintaining a view of ex existence that allowed for far more levels of reality than are usually accepted. Uh, most of the good things are just like, this is a must-have for UFOologists. Um, and the, the term goblin universe, I will also say, is just from, it's a, from a quote um, by this guy <laughs> named John Napier, where he's... I, I don't think we have enough time to go into the whole thing, but it's basically him being like, if you're you're going to go down a rabbit hole uh, and you're going to basically get to a place that he calls the goblin universe, which is basically like the outward <laughs> levels of thought of like you're going into a rabbit hole of nonsense. And it's called the goblin universe by the his goblin own. universe. But anyway, so so that's kind of the fate. Like, that's the only thing I found for goblins. But as I kind of alluded to before in the last episode there is historical events that lead may lead people to think that there are goblins in Kentucky. Maybe. Namely, namely goblins that were in Kentucky. There's a family <laughs> that actually say that. 
So this is, I'm going to read an article. This is now getting into a Wikipedia historian. And this is called, How the Little Green Men Phenomenon Began on a Kentucky Farm. Mm. Uh, so, Because this does have a wider implication. This is an article by Volker Jensen from January 2nd, 2020. And this is from history.com. So pretty reputable source. History.com. Why are aliens so often depicted as little green men with bulbous heads and oversized eyes? The mythology began in part on the night of August 21st, 1955, which I'm going to say that is some primo UFO times. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's 1955. Oh, you got the Betty and Barney Hills. You got the Roswells. Yeah, there's a lot. When a large extended farm family called the Suttons arrived breathlessly at the Hopkinsville police station in southwest Kentucky. Their story of a terrifying siege by otherworldling beings would become one of the most detailed and baffling accounts of an alien close encounter on record. Uh, notable for the large, large number of witnesses, I'm going to, <laughs> nearly a dozen. I don't, that's I'm going considered to come large. and say that's considered large in UFOs. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is bold claims that they're making. I do not agree. I'm going to put okay. my, my personal thing. Uh, the duration of the counter, several hours, that's a little bit more. That's more um, appealing, yeah. And the close proximity between the witnesses and the creatures, sometimes just a few feet away. That's also, that's more interesting hmm. than their 12 they're people. They're right so, there. Right. <laughs> that they're right there. Uh, the incident quickly became regional and even national news. So the alleged encounter occurred on the Sutton's farm in the tiny rural hamlet of Kelly, Kentucky, where the family lived in an unpainted three-room house without running water, telephone, radio, TV, or books. So these are some... Uh, some people might say country bumpkins, but they <laughs> I am going to say they are people who are living in, in like Appalachia. <laughs> Appalachia in the nineteen fifties. Like I don't think running gets water much really more, yeah, got it gets to more that rural point. than that. Yeah. Uh, of all the details of their story, the UFO landing and the appearance of small alien creatures, one fact is indisputable. When the eight adults and three children arrived at the nearby Hopkinsville police station at about eleven PM, they were genuinely terror struck. So these are as the the Can't uh, fake this. police chief Russell Greenwell later told investigators, these aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. <laughs> what they do is they reach for their guns. Yep. Yet here they were, women and children hysterical, and at one man with a pulse of 140 beats per minute, measured by an investigator. So... According to accounts given to the police, at around 7 p.m. on the hot Sunday evening, the Sutton family friend Billy Ray Taylor was fetching water from the backyard, which he loved to As do. you do. Uh, when he saw a silvery object, quote, real, real brat with an exhaust all the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> I love that. What a magical fruit, like a fruity cereal kind of vibe that they've got going on there. I love that because you could tell like his accent comes through, even though it's a <laughs> real brat. Uh, as he later accounted, it came silently toward the house, passing over it, stopped in the air, and then dropped straight to the ground. Taylor, 21, and his 18-year-old wife, that's in Kentucky. They're, mm -hmm. they're probably spinsters by that. <laughs> like, they're pretty old for, um, had come to Pennsylvania to visit Lucky Sutton, who, with whom he had worked on a traveling carnival, which is also... <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just this, little details. Just the little of, like, details carnival. are so rich. Uh, the Suttons, 50-year-old widow and matriarch Glennie Lankford, her two older sons and their wives, a brother-in-law, and the widow's three younger children, 12, 10, and 7, didn't take Billy Ray seriously, laughing off his UFO account. 
An hour later, alerted by the dog's incessant barking, Lucky and Billy Ray went to the back door and made out a strange glow, in the midst of which they spied a small humanoid creature. Hmm. About three and a half feet tall, it had an, quote, oversized head, almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground. Its head, its hands had talons, and its oversized eyes glowed with a yellowish light. Oh, creepy. The, the body gave off an eerie shimmer in the light of the uh, night's new moon, they said, as if it was made of silver metal. So I'm going to send you uh, an official... This is, I'm pretty sure this is official documentation. <laughs> okay, don't don't show um, me a, 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 an artist's depiction of the leprechaun that they saw on the tree. Don't do me like that. <laughs> I'm have about you seen to this? send you what have the... You seen me, have you seen that? That video about the leprechaun? Absolutely. And, and the drawing that they did? One artist decided to draw it. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. All right, let me take but a they, look. So, so Ooh, there's other pictures. Freaky. There are artist depictions that are uh, like look like they're from like 60s, 70s books that are awesome. I'm going to send you those as well because those are like action oh, shots weird. of of the yeah they're super they're weird looking all over they're like monkeys all over the roof. So they're they're gray like if the look of them I would describe them they're as pale they're very pale they're very pale. Um, I'm going to send you one more. They um, have big wide ears that are tall for, for a very specific reference um, to Pokemon actually. Because uh, the Pokemon Sableye is yeah. directly uh, looks like them. Yeah, it's, it's it two does. large right. like yeah, yeah. gem eyes, two pointy ears, um, and looks like a gray. Um, so that's what they look like. The and so these these guys see this creature terrified. The two men grabbed a twenty gauge shotgun and a twenty two rifle and fired at the little man. Its hands now raised up <laughs> as if held up at gunpoint as it came towards the back door. So this little alien is like, hey, I'm just trying to chill you guys. Don't show me. They reported that it did a, quote, flip, scrambled upright, and <laughs> fled into the darkness. Don't shoot me, man. I can do a sick flip. Check out my Whoa. kick flip, bro. Shortly after, the men saw a similar creature appear in a side window and fired through the window screen. Still impervious to bullets. By the way, they, they aren't getting killed. They didn't no. do a backflip because they got shotgunned. They they did a little Looney Tunes thing. Like they, this is like what it was like startle and it was like whoa. There is a a concept in paranormal stuff and like UFO stuff, especially that's the concept of what they call high strangeness, where mm -hmm. it's like things don't. It's dream logic, but in the real world. Right. And this is one of those things where they just kind of like they shot them and they just went whoa. <laughs> just like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Like they're Roger Rabbit, and some huh. of them like bounced around and stuff. Um, shortly after, the men saw a similar creature. Oh no, the, sorry. Um, still impervious to bullets, the little man again flipped, then disappeared. "Quote: I went out in the hallway and crouched down next to Billy when I saw one approaching the door." Mrs. Langford told Isabel Davis, author of an extensive report called "Close Encounter at Kelly and Others of 1955." "Quote." It looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with the head on top and small legs. It was shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator. The drama escalated when Taylor stopped, stepped outside under the small overhanging roof. So this guy's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fight him. And those behind him saw a claw-like hand reach down <gasps> from like the overhand and touch his hair. The group screamed, obviously, and pulled Taylor back while Lucky shot up above the at the overhang and then at another similar creature in a nearby tree. Whoa. It floated to the ground 
and then scurried into the woods. The Suttons moved inside and spent several hours listening for movements, hearing mostly occasional scratches on the roof. At 11 p.m., the whole group ran for the cars and hightailed it to Hopkinsville Police Station at top speed. After the local police chief called for backup, his team was joined at the Sutton Farm by state police, military police from nearby Fort Campbell, and a photographer from the Kentucky New Era. I love this. They got they got so much official like backup. Absolutely. Because this was 1955. They're like, okay, we gotta get them. We gotta get him. (laughs) There, investigators found shell casings from the gunshots, but there was no other evidence. Neither could they find proof of heavy drinking. According to the Sutton matriarch, liquor was not allowed in the farmhouse. Once the police and others left, though, the creatures returned between 2.30 a.m. and daybreak. Mrs. Lankford said she saw one glowing repeatedly by her bedside window, its claw-like hand on the screen. So this is some spooky Spooky. Halloween stuff. In the following days, after radio station newspapers, including the New York Times, reported on the incident, hundreds of curiosity seekers descended on the farm, often ridiculing the Suttons as ignorant or fraudulent. (laughs) You came all this way to just call me an idiot? (laughs) You're the one who drove here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the American way, though. They didn't have Twitter back then. They couldn't do it from afar. They had to go to the place and tell their fucking Twitter at the time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when no trespassing signs proved useless at discouraging them, the family tried charging admission. 50 cents for entering the grounds, $1 for information, $10 for taking pictures. After Which is a lot. In, a in, lot in, of money. After that, skeptics blasted them as fortune-seeking fabulists. Uh, they literally the killings, just try to keep people out of their property. They're like, well, yeah, get the fuck out of our farm. We oh got a farm. God. As the Kelly story spread into the world, it took on a life of its own. The number of little men growing to a dozen or more. A few years later, the little metallic men were conflated with an Eastern Kentucky woman's report of a flying saucer and a six-foot man in green, helping launch the myth of little green men. Oh, I see. So that's how it kind of it built from there. It's two two uh, myths combined. Yeah. The day after the incident, investigators returned to the farmhouse searching for evidence of a saucer landing, footprints, blood trails, or scratch marks on the roofs. They found nothing. Obviously. Uh, so they then they made uh, everyone was very impressed. Uh, a, a local radio employee, Bud Ludwith, uh, starts interviewing people, and he's they're basically like similar looking things. Like that, that's a classic paranormal. They do that in Hellier too, where they're a little girl like draws a little goblin, and they're like, mm-hmm. "This is evidence." Um, but it is interesting that everybody was like, "Yeah, this is what they look like," um, and was all pretty, pretty like uh, consistent. Uniform. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. Um, so this led to just to kind of summarize things. There's a government, uh, project called project blue book, which the government was basically looking into, uh, or the air force specifically was looking into UFOs. Um, and then they eventually shuttered that. <laughs> like there, right, there are right. official things that, cause there's a whole like history of, they would look into UFO stuff, but they recently, I, they haven't opened up project blue book back up, but now the uh, Navy would, cause they released some like, uh, what people call the Tic Tac videos. There's actually like real footage from U.S. carriers, like right. U.S. Army. But it, that they're, don't they like, do? Bu- they pretty it, much will, are able to debunk all of the ones that they see for UFOs, right? Like there are some. That's the thing about Project Blue Book is the because uh, they there are multiple times that they're like you, uh, Doctor J. Allen Hynek that they cite in this is is a very well known. He was a skeptic and he's a mm-hmm. well known astronomer astronomer who was like turned because he was researched so much that he's like you can explain. Sp- let's say like charitably 90% of these 
cloud mm-hmm. formations, whatever. There is 10% that we don't know. And you should investigate that 10%, which I think is reasonable. And the government said, no, because <laughs> mm-hmm. that then we're going to look like crazy people for looking into UFOs. Um, Honestly, I'm on board with that decision. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, but anyway, so let's give, there is one, uh, people have wondered what this could have been. Because this is an unsolved thing. Um, the most famous cited thing is that people say that they uh, got drunk, which they say in the thing that they it was a dry household. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily so that. maybe dubious, um, yeah. They thought it was great horned owls that were attacking them. Great horned owls. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, and so they have big yellow eyes, but it's – I'm huh. going to say I think I would know an owl, especially when they're fucking wings flapping in my face. Like, also, why wouldn't the owls fly away if they heard gunshots? Like you don't think the owls yeah, would stick around They wouldn't do a that. little flip. Right. It's a weird story. You could uh, – it's it's kind of Spooky one of those loss scary. of time thing. But it is interesting that there was an actual story of goblins in Kentucky. An that, actual one that it stems from. But that was – in 1955, and these people, uh, 60 years later, were like, you know what? Maybe they're still there. We got to dig this back <laughs> up. It's a cold case. It is a cold case. And you know what? Sometimes you got to leave it cold. Got to leave it cold. But hopefully you'll warm us up with your next segment. Well, actually, we're going from one cold case to kind of another cold case. We're going into Ooh. a Wikipedia historian. It's not actually from Wikipedia. as this classic with the segment. It's from allthingsinteresting.com. Hey, Will, how much do you know about Michael Rockefeller? Uh, I know the name Rockefeller. You don't know about Michael. I've found. I actually. I've found actually, something creepy that Will doesn't know about. Incredible. I actually, I actually might know what you're talking about, yeah, but I don't want to spoil it for people. You probably do. To, you probably I probably do. do. I I I will probably say yeah. I know that. But let's okay. go into the story. Let's let's figure Here's out. Here's the story of Michael Rockefeller. So I'm just going to start off the article. In the early 1960s, Michael Rockefeller vanished somewhere off the coast of Papua New Guinea. His disappearance, yes, his disappearance <laughs> so, uh, shocked the nation and prompted a manhunt of historic proportions. Years later, the true fate of the heir to the standard oil fortune has been uncovered, and it's more disturbing than anyone at the time imagined. For anyone who doesn't know who the Rockefellers are... Everyone knows they're, who, Everyone got to know who the Rockefellers... They're who Rockefeller Plaza is named after. They're, they're, the like one of Bezos, the <laughs> they're the Bezos family of the early 1900s. Yeah, we, we learned about, in, in U.S. history at least, this is probably more for international, we learned about like trust busting and like the big people, right. like the barons. He was one of them, um, got super rich. Anyway, yeah. so in the 60s, the heir to this, the heir yeah. to this fortune or just one the of the he was like, the, I think the he eldest the son. Heir. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Michael Rockefeller was born in 1938. He was the youngest son. Oh, the youngest son of the New York governor, okay. Nelson Rockefeller, and the newest member of the dynasty of millionaires founded by his famous great grandfather, John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest people who has ever lived. Though his father expected him to follow in his footsteps and help manage the family's vast business empire, Michael was a quieter, more artistic spirit. When he graduated from Harvard in 1960, he wanted to do something more exciting than sit around in boardrooms and conduct meetings. His father, a prolific art collector, had recently opened the Museum of Primitive Art and his exhibits, including Nigerian, Aztec, and Mayan works, entranced Mm. Michael. Okay, so that, I'm going to say, just, I, uh, (laughs) I love rich kid rebellions, because they are, it's This is very wholesome, rich kid rebellion, though. He's rebelling against, like, capitalist dad. It proves, though, that because 
I he's like, I don't want to sit in boardrooms and be rich all day. And I'm like, so you're living the American like this is <laughs> right, right, right. You were living the dream that yeah. so many people have. And he's like, fuck that. So people are no no matter what, they're unhappy and will go towards what they want. But this Amazing. is a great like I'm glad that he's going towards the arts. He's like, going to chasing his bliss. Yeah. It was here that Michael Rockefeller felt he could make his mark. Carl Heider, a graduate student of anthropology at Harvard who worked with Michael, called recalled Michael said he wanted to do something that hadn't been done before and to bring a major collection to New York. Hmm. He had traveled extensively already, living in Japan and Venezuela for months at a time, and he craved something new. He wanted to embark on an anthropological expedition to a few place to a place few would ever see. Living in hmm. Japan and Venezuela in like the 19th like in 1950s that's pretty impressive like to just go and Compared do that to, yeah it, it it he does seem like i feel like i've met people like this the rich kid who like travels the world and wants to yeah was, was did he uh i think you might have said this but did he have like a phd in anthropology was this he had like studied was he it. i don't know if he it? i don't know uh he was a graduate student yeah Yep. Okay, so he was a graduate. So he was studying. And so this is yep. part of his graduate studies is he's like, time to make the discovery of a lifetime. I like, think he just was like, bold. I think he had the funds to be like, I can do whatever I want. I want to put my name on the map with this That's, thing that I really like. But there's just like that kind of trust fund kid mentality yeah, here right. going. <laughs> After talking with representatives from the Dutch National Museum of Ent- uh, Ethnology, Michael decided to make a scouting trip to what, what was then known as Dutch New Guinea, a massive island off the coast of Australia, to collect the art and the of the Azmat people who resided there. In the 1960s, Dutch colonial authorities and missionaries had already been on the island for almost a decade, but many Azmat people had never uh, had never seen a white man. With severely limited contact to the outside world, the Azmat believed the land beyond their island to be inhabited by spirits, and when white people came from across the sea, they saw them as some kind of supernatural beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael Rockefeller <laughs> and his team of researchers and documentarians were thus a curiosity to the village of, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Otsjenep. That's the best I can do. Okay, Home yeah, to that's... one of the major Azmet communities on the island and not an entirely welcome one. The locals put up with the team's photography, but they didn't allow the white researchers to purchase cultural artifacts like... Uh, Pur- Did they like have they, money? Like, I guess they were trying to like purchase artworks off of... Off of, yeah, off, of the, off of the native people. So they were like intricately carved, carved wooden pillars that serve as a part of Azmet rituals and religious rites. Have you heard about the Louvre? <laughs> have you the art? I want art. What's you like the people? What's the pe- I have this new disposable razor from the West. It's new <laughs> and exciting. It, yeah. So they're just try- they're they're. I can understand the perspective that white people are ghosts. That's, yeah, uh, I feel I like it. that's the most reasonable thing I've ever... Will could be yeah, a ghost. I, what do I know? My face in particular, <laughs> I am the palest person and I have a white screen next to me, so it makes me even paler. It makes me paler than the moon. Michael so was undeterred. In the, in the asthma people, he found that what he felt was a fascinating uh, viol- violation of the norms of Western society, and he was more anxious than ever to bring their world back to his. At the time, war between villages was co- common, and Michael learned that Azmet warriors often took the heads of their enemies and ate their flesh. In Ooh. certain religions, Azmet men would engage in ritual homosexual sex. In bonding rites, they would sometimes drink each other's urine. Quote, mm. now this is wild and somehow more remote country than I ever have, uh, than what I have ever seen before, Michael wrote in his diary. So this is <laughs> like, the, this is like the, the edges of civilization. And like, to be fair, relative to Western culture. did go to... 
was very civilized Japan. Like yeah. it's not like he was necessarily like constantly on the out. He wasn't in like Antarctica before. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. He, okay. This but is, what culture are you going to find in Antarctica? He's writing about like penguin culture. And he's like, this is some country <laughs> I've never seen before. You know what? They're cannibals too. And that's, that's extra fact. Would you like to buy, like, I would like to buy your art for a fish. <laughs> like no deal. No deal. I want this art. Uh, when so the initial they, scouting missions okay. concluded, Michael Rockefeller was energized. He wrote out his plans to create a detailed anthropological study of the Azimuth and display a collection of their art in his father's museum. So mm. he's got the groundwork going. He set out mm. once again for New Guinea in 1961, this time accompanied by Rene Wasing, a government anthrop- anthropologist. As their boat approached Otsjenep on, on the 19th of November, 1961, a sudden squall churned the water and riled cross currents. The boat capsized, leaving Michael Ooh. and Wasing clinging to their overturn- the overturned hull. Uh, though, there were, though they were 12 miles from the shore, Michael reportedly told the anthropologist, I think I can make it, and jumped into the water. He was never Ooh. seen again. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, I, I'm going to, to, for the audience sake, Presume that there's a mystery. Oh, maybe he made it. What if maybe he made, he it? made it? Rich and politic- to swim is a long. lot. So, as a side note, they don't mention this, but I read it in another source that they were with two, I think, two other guides, and the guides jumped out before them. Michael spent oh. the night in the sinking raft, and then the next day was like, I think I can make it, and jumped off. And then the day following, the guides came back with a rescue boat and and rescued. Oh my the, god! The one the rescued guy? the other guy who was left there. Oh yes. my! This is what. Okay, this is this is actually a practical piece of advice for. I know this is a comedy podcast, but I'm going to give practical that I've I've looked up like minor survival stuff just because yeah. I get paranoid about like what if I'm trapped on a uh, in a plane crash or whatever and I have to eat <laughs> people or whatever. Like I I, I worry about this, but. <laughs> don't leave the the don't site leave. of the crash like yeah. that's that's a yeah. part of it unless you are like completely know that you're fucked and nobody's right. going to find you then you could maybe make a chance but it's also it's like it, you have a big raft there that's a thing so rich and politically connected michael's family ensured that no expense was spared in the search for the young rockefeller like literally this is one of the richest families in the world and their son went yeah. missing basically they, look they say ships airplanes and helicopters scoured the region searching for michael or some sign of his fate i heard that they like basically hired a small army to like scour this island to try to yeah, find him they got the money for it yeah it, it is fascinating how rich people think though because i i just to go on a slight tangent, I listened to a podcast about uh, Leopold and Leopold and Loeb, mm-hmm. which I might do. I, I probably won't do a, a segment on because it's actually a horrible story. But there are two rich kids that were like sociopaths that killed uh, a kid. But their parents were totally like non – didn't give a shit until mm-hmm. – and like didn't even hire a lawyer. Yikes. Until they had already confessed and like were in, tr- they were all fucked. And then Yikes. they're like, maybe we should like do maybe something. Do and something. then spent a lot of money trying to get them off Oof. of death row. But like, but that's just the br- things that rich people do is is yeah. where they don't worry about things, and then they go, oh, we have to worry about this. Oh shit, well, let's throw oh, a shit. lot of money out of this. So apparently Nelson Rockefeller and his wife flew to New Guinea to help search for their son. Despite their efforts, they were unable to find Michael's body. After nine days, the Dutch interior minister stated there is no longer any hope of finding Michael Rockefeller alive. Though the Rockefellers still thought that there was a chance Michael might yet appear, they left the island. Two weeks later, the Dutch called off the search. Michael Rockefeller's official cause of death was put down as drowning. 
The mysterious disappearance of Michael Rockefeller was a media sensation. Rumors spread like wildfire in tabloids and newspapers, obviously, like yeah. crazy. Some said he must have been eaten by sharks uh, on his swim to the <laughs> okay, island. I'm not okay. sure about that. Yeah. The, Dun- the Dutch denied all these rumors, um, saying they were unable to discover what happened to him and that he just simply vanished, assuming that he dry- de- drowned. So, Ocean's a big place? Then we cut 55 years later. In, 2014, in, four- in uh, 2014, uh, Carl Hoffman, a reporter for the National Geographic, revealed in a book... In his book, Savage Harvest, Harvest, a ah, Savage Harvest, a tale of cannibals, colonialism, and Michael Rockefeller's tragic quest for primitive art, that many of the Netherlands' inquiries into the matter resulted in evidence that the Azmat killed Michael. So he's like, actually, I reopened this cold case and found that like they covered up a bunch of shit. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Two Dutch missionaries on the island, both of whom had lived among the Azmet for years and spoke their language, told local authorities that they had heard from the Azmet that some of them had killed Michael Rockefeller. The police officer sent to investigate the crime the following year, Wim van de Waal, came to the same conclusion and even produced a skull that the Azmet claimed belonged to Michael Rockefeller. All oh of God. these reports were summarily buried in classified files and not further investigated. The Rockefellers <laughs> were told the Rockefellers were told that there was nothing to do to the rumors and that their son had not been killed by the natives. Why suppress the stories? By 1962, the Dutch had already lost half of the island to the new state of Indonesia. They mm-hmm. feared that if they were believed, uh, they, they feared that if it were believed they could not control the native population, they would be quickly ousted. So political, political reasons. Yeah, political. But it's also like that's such a individual. Like they can't save every single white person that like goes, especially one that cop capsizes. Right. I guess they they didn't want. But there, this is like a wild cannibalistic tribe. Right. I don't know. Um, wild well, reasoning that to co- I guess people. I think the base for a lot of government people, which is bad, is that they cover things up. Like I think that's yeah. the, the the base instinct of a lot of people in government. So, okay. when Carl Hoffman decided to investigate these 50-year-old claims, he started by traveling to Atschenep. There, posing as a journalist documenting the culture of the Asma people, his interpreter overheard a man telling another member of the tribe not to discuss the American tourist who had died there. When the interpreter, at Hoffman's urging, asked who the man was, he was told that it was Michael Rockefeller. He learned that it was common knowledge on the island that the Asma people of Atschenep killed a white man and that it should not be mentioned for fear of reprisals. Uh, the direct mm. quote, which they bring up later in the article, is so the thing they overheard someone saying was, "Don't you tell this story to any other man on the uh, or any other village because this story is only for us. Don't speak. Don't speak and tell the story. I hope you remember it and must keep it for us. I hope. I hope it is. This is only for you and you only. Don't talk to anyone forever to the other people or any other village." If people question you, don't answer. Don't talk to them because this story is only for you. If you tell it to them, you'll die. I am afraid you will die. You'll be dead. Your people will be dead if you tell this story. You keep this story in your house to yourself. I hope forever, forever. That's he's like going on. He's like that feels to me like it feels like it feels like to me that the the local man was like, oh man, I really hope you don't over. No one hears this one, man. (laughs) I'm gonna tell you, you, man. Don't tell anyone about the white man. <laughs> Don't go. Oh, they know our language. Fuck, dude. Oh, man. Nothing like getting. Do you think he went? I know. I understand. I know. He's just like, don't tell anyone. I know. 
I yeah, I know. I'm but, here, but for really, exactly that, for that exactly that reason. So but, it, he also learned serious? that the killing of don't tell. He, he also learned that the killing of Michael Rockefeller was a reprisal in its own right. In 1957, mm. just three years before Rockefeller first visited the island, a massacre occur- occurred between two Azmut tribes. The Otschenep and the Omas, Omadesep villages killed dozens of each other's men. The, the Dutch colonial government, having only recent con- recently taken control of the island, attempted to put a stop to the violence. They went to disarm the remote Otschenep tribe, but a series of cultural misunderstandings resulted in the Dutch opening fire on the Otschenep. Yikes. In their first encounter with firearms, the village of Ostjanep witnessed four of their uh, war leaders shot and killed. It was in this context that the Ostjanep tribesmen stumbled upon Michael Rockefeller as he backstroked towards the shore bordering their land. <laughs> so I they were that, like... The huh. concept of him being like, I was a champion, but only in the backstroke. <laughs> exercise. <laughs> you know do. rich boys doing rich boy things, backstroking yeah. across the, the ocean. According I can to the do Dutch, another 12 miles. <laughs> I feel great. I can make it. According to the Dutch missionary who first heard the story, the tribesmen initially thought Michael was a crocodile. But as they drew closer, they what? recognized him as a white man like the Dutch colonizers. Unfortunately <laughs> for Michael, the men he yep. had encountered were war, uh, war leaders themselves and the sons of those killed by the Dutch. One of them reportedly said, people of Otschenep, you're always talking about headhunting white people, their word for white people. Well, here's your chance. They were, they were, though they were hesitant, mostly out of fear, they eventually speared and killed him. Then they cut off his head and cleaved his skull to eat his brain. They cooked and ate the rest of his flesh. His thigh bones were turned into daggers. His tibias were made into points for fishing spears. His blood was drained and the tribesmen drenched themselves in it while they performed ritual dances and sex acts. In accordance with their theology, the people of Achenet believed Holy they were restoring shit. balance to the world. With the tribe of the white man, the tribe of the white man had killed four of them, and now they were taking rep- retribution by consuming the body of Michael Rockefeller. They would they could absorb the energy and power that had been taken from them, which is apparently a thing. It was like the tribes would go to yeah. war, someone would die on one side, the other people would like go and get yeah. retribution, and yeah. like the cycle of violence would continue. Obviously, yeah. That's uh, human history. <laughs> if you were yeah. to sum up human history in, in one sentence, it was that. So it wasn't long before the people of Ochnep came to regret this decision. The search that followed the murder of Michael Rockefeller was terrifying to the Azimut people, most of whom had never seen a plane or a helicopter before. It yeah. must have been like you kill Honestly, one dude and, and an army shows up. Like Wrong ins- white man. Like yeah. literally any other white man, <laughs> nobody would give a shit. Right, right. This yeah. is a, so, so specific, like, but also you had to be that white man to even go there, be there, he, yeah, to that's, be there, that's right? True. I, I, yeah, they're they're not justified. I, colonialism can is never justified. <laughs> like imperialism, the Dutch were not right, but also the fact that these people were like random white people person, get him! Like after you had just backstroke, he's like, help me, help me, and he's like, oh, we're gonna help you, we're gonna <laughs> steer you right now. Yeah. So also, I'm gonna just say. I'm the fan of true crime here, and I try not to put too much of that into our comedy show. And yeah. here you are being like, I just, and, I, this and one his caught thigh me. Bone. I was like, like, you were doing your your true crime voice of like, and guy. then his thigh and bone then, has been point, bone. used as a knife. Like, that's brutal, <laughs> absolutely savage. This is, this is wild. So, one last conspiracy theory for us as we wrap. It's Ooh. pretty well concluded that it's either he he most likely drowned, second most likely, likely. Yeah. was eaten, third most likely, apparently someone took a photo of some of the members of the Ostjanep tribe 
canoe stand up ca- canoeing yeah. in 1969 and then f- full 50 years later it was sitting in a warehouse somewhere and someone found the photo and amongst the people that are paddling is just one random white man who's paddling with them and he's like his beard is overgrown and he looks like vaguely like michael and one of the most famous pictures of michael rockefeller is of him stand up canoeing literally doing the exact thing that they have in this photo of this like random white man doing mm. um and it's pretty close to the spot where he went and missing yeah went missing uh and so the third most likely thing is he survived. Maybe he survived and is part of this tribe. Like I, I couldn't find a good explanation for like who that dude amongst the tribe was. That's but a I lot think, of people, yeah. the 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 large conclusion seemed to be people were saying, "Well, it's probably not Michael." Like that was the best what? people okay. could do. They were like, that's, "Well, that's the it's barn owl. Probably not Michael." <laughs> this, is, <Like, laughs> this is the this is the great horned owl thing from the last story we did, where it's right, like that's right. not a great explanation. It's, it's not a good an explanation. explanation. It's an ex- exactly. I I would say that I don't think that uh, rules out that they killed him. Also, I I could, it could see be someone else. Killing, it could entirely be someone else. Right? It could be somebody else. I could I could believe it being somebody else. I could also believe that they killed him later. Um, right. That could also be a thing, but the the story you gave of like why they would do it in the moment makes sense, right? right. To me, yeah, as retribution, so, exactly. Hmm. So yeah, that's I, that I, don't know. I who, was who the fuck is this white guy? I, <laughs> I was introduced to the story by seeing the article that was like, "Hey, who's this white guy?" And I was like, "Wait, what's this story?" And I read the whole story. and I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" It is a spooky. If by the way, because the, this did remind me of a different story. I don't think we're gonna do it as like a segment, so I'm just gonna bre- very like. Um, there was a, I thought he was a Mormon missionary. It turns out he's an evangelical missionary yeah. called John Allen Chow, who uh, ba- he did kind of a similar thing of trying to contact. Well, these these seem like they're indig- indigenous people that had some contact with the outside world. Uh, this guy was trying to missionary to a trying completely, to convert them. Yeah. And he got immediately killed. Like, <laughs> that's right. the end. Of the I had story. heard about him. But, yeah, I had heard about that. Um, right. But he was killed in like 2018. So that very yeah. recently, people have been doing same shit. Same Why? shit. Why don't do it? I'm gonna I'm not gonna worth say, it. Leave them. Leave them alone. That's the whole point. Like, just leave them be. They don't. This is. I'm. I'm gonna do real quick. Like little uh, thing about. I don't understand from the missionary point of view. I. I don't even understand from the art point of view. I, that's such a decadent kind of like i, I think it's somebody trying to find art. their trying to find their calling in life which is like i it's the allure of the unknown right like but it's, oh, the, it's but so it's blown up to rich person ambition yeah it is. that it's like right. i'm going to go to this island and they're gonna love me there like that right. i don't know if that was his, I, he seems a little bit more like even keel than like other rich people he seems cooler but also I think it's like the weight it's such a rich person thing. weight of expectations from his family being like well, I have to do something that is as good as running the million billion dollar company. So yeah. it better be worthwhile. I better like go do something truly that no one has ever done before. And so he places that on himself. I I mean, I don't He's, think it's right. I also don't think it's necessarily totally unfounded. But jeez, it, it's just it's just wacky. The circumstances wacky. people get themselves into. He's not the first rich white boy that's going to try to like go and do that kind of like oh oh i'm cultural i'm very like right, right, worldly right. this is probably the the farthest reaches though like this is what especially I, like, for the time the where like in, in the 1960s when like there were parts of the world that were 
genuinely like untouched. Oh, abso- absolutely. Yeah. The, and and like we we're saying, sometimes you just don't. You just don't <laughs> you just touch don't, them. Just don't just touch don't them touch because them. they're because also I mean there's also like we bring diseases. <laughs> that's also an app. Yep. That's because uh, I've looked this up minorly of like. The reason we don't don't contact them, especially, is because one, it would be huge culture shock. Two, it would be disease. Wipe them out. So leave them be. They're having a great. They're not having a great time. They're hunter gatherers. (laughs) Like they're having a perfectly mellow time. Probably it's a (laughs) for human history. They're living the same way that we probably lived like a while. So that is probably the benchmark of humanity. Right. They're living at that. Rather err on the err on the side of not introducing a plague that will kill a lot of people. Yeah. It is <laughs> also. I love him just looking and be like, I can make it. Twelve miles. Twelve miles. Yeah, that's I me. can't even. That's all. I me. don't think if it was twelve miles of running, I think I would do it, but I think my legs would immediately give out. Like right, you'd be the marathon man. <laughs> the marathon. The original marathon of swimming. No, is sir. Insane. Absolutely. I'm. I, you tell I'm, you tell me I have to swim one mile, and I'm like, that done. seems untenable. Yeah, I think I could maybe yeah. do one mile. After that, I'm I not twelve yeah. of those. Yeah, no, insane. Now the the last question I'm going to have for you: What do you think happened to him? I think most likely thing is he drowned. Like in terms of trying to find a body, it's like you drown and maybe some wild animal eats your body. Like, and that's why you don't turn up, or Sharks, you just sink yeah. and you just. I mean, there was known to be crocodiles in the area. Like that seems like it could be a thing. Um, I'm yeah. It is but also, he, like, there, it seems like it seems like there were a lot of firsthand accounts being like the natives all know that that's somebody weird. ate him. Yeah, that's that's the weird part to me is that the fact that they're like a white. I mean, they didn't. They did specifically say his name, right? They are. Did they? Like, they said that name, of, but it, it was probably like they killed and ate him, and then the army showed up, being like, "Hey, we're looking for Michael Rockefeller. Have you seen him?" And they looked at each other and were like, "So that's the name of the guy we ate. Guess we'll remember yeah. that." Yeah, that that that's actually a good explanation of why they would <laughs> know the name. I th- right. Maybe he did introduce himself. Like maybe he, he was. It seemed like he was maybe well known in the area. So yeah, I, my I think my vision of it is more like he was completely unaware when he was killed. Like it seems like he probably was like on a riverbank and they yeah. saw him and they speared him without ever talking. He, yeah, I, I think he was he was exhausted on a riverbank and then he might have been speared. I think it's one of those two things. I think it's weird that they specifically were like it's him, but I could, like that we killed him specifically. But it's one of those things where we still don't that? have a good explanation for who that random white guy is, which we is why it's an intriguing story. It's an unsolved, another an unsolved, unsolved this has mystery. been the episode this of unsolved. the episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Go on. <laughs> Have you ever heard? There's a show called Unsolved Mysteries from like the 80s that they recently rebooted, but it has one of the creepiest, uh, like music theme musics that haunted me as a child because I oh, no. watched this fucking it. This oh, explains no. a lot about me if for the listeners that I listen that I would watch Unsolved Mysteries as an eight year old and would like the music <laughs> would come on and you listen to it now and it's just like, like oh. it's fucking like synth, uh, like it starts with some like it's spooky uh, drum, it's it's super spooky, like. Bum. I'm gonna whoever's editing this put in the music just like a little just the beginning. Okay. Well, at the point at which Will starts singing, it's the point you know we have to end the podcast. We really thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you coming and joining us for this very special edition of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah, that's the, the that's the name of the podcast for sure. Yeah, it's for sure. not. 
Segment City. Segment which, City. you know what? If you have any segments, if you have any unsolved mysteries, send it to segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com. Hit up our Twitter, Segment City, where hopefully we'll post some of these dope-ass <laughs> goblin yeah, photos. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. these... these I'm going to say these these goblin photos are horrific that I sent you. Other than the the drawing, which was funny, the other ones are like actually a little bit spooky. Um, yeah. If you hit up our YouTube segment city and leave us a review, leave us a rating. If you like our uh, spooky Halloween stuff in particular, I love this stuff. I I'm very surprised that you went with very with a very like dark. You never know. You can't put me in a corner. You can't put baby in the corner. And now exactly. your nickname is baby. That's me. That's baby. And you know who else I'd like to thank? Who? From your Booms. <laughs> Segment that doesn't actually <laughs> segue that doesn't actually transition. We'd like to thank Rachel Robinson. She's not creepy, and she does our intro music. And you can find her music on Spotify or wherever you listen to your music. Go check her I, out. I, I'm going to go in on a limb and say she's the exact opposite of creepy. She's wholesome. She's, she's wholesome. She's like the the <laughs> I don't know very friendly person. Opposite of creepy. Yeah. I would say she's a solved mystery. You know what is creepy, though? Death. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie. List of unusual deaths. That's the way that we end this podcast now. Now let's just do... Uh, these are two very quick ones. They're both one sentence each, so I'm going to just do a double, if we, if we don't mind. This is the Byzantine Emperor Alexander. We're going to the highest echelon highest level. here. This was in on June uh, 6th, uh, 913 AC. Old times. He died of a stomach disease caused by excessive eating and alcohol. Oh, he oh. debauched himself. <laughs> Allegedly after playing a game of uh, Zykinion, which they say is polo, <laughs> while drunk. Oh. <laughs> so what fucking, a bad he got, mixed his uppers uh, and his doubters <laughs> when you die from because people get um what is it called like not bone spurs but they get uh some other stuff that's specifically from eating and drinking you get Ugh. a disease what is it called Gross. i'm I, i'm going to look up uh what disease do you get from, from diabetes it, I mean, diabetes is one of them. Um, auto brewery syndrome? That's not it. Auto brewery? You can transform yourself into auto? a Decepticon? That's a is, brewery? Is oh known as a gut God. fermentation syndrome? That's Holy not what I was shit. thinking of. <laughs> He's transforming. What's his final form? It's it's a keg. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, so that was the Byzantine Emperor. Now let's do Edmund Ironside, who is a great name. I'm going to say that's Ironside. one of the one of the great names. Uh, who died on November 30th, 1016. Edmund Ironside, King of England, in 1016. So once again, the highest echelon, highest region, was allegedly stabbed while on a toilet by an assassin. Oh, no. Hiding underneath. Oh no! <laughs> he was nasty. in. He was <laughs> in. No. Could you imagine? Okay, imagine being like the modern equivalent no, of this I don't being like. Imagine. I don't want to imagine any of this. All right, I gotta kill Yeezy. Time to be in the Coachella <laughs> fucking toilets. 
big mass porta bodies they have with a knife. Like, just, okay, that is that ass. Is that ass the easy's ass? <laughs> oh, they're shitting on me. But he just was like, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. Give it's dedication bit, bit, bit. to the craft. I wish we had that dedication to our craft. But, um, <laughs> we'll keep working on it. Just come no back dedication. next week. We're getting better and better. We'll stab you right in their butt. You know, that's what we do here at Segment City. Do you think you went for the cheeks or do you think he went right for the crack? And that's how we're ending it. <laughs> <laughs>